0: listening to Law & Gospel on this Bible Study Wednesday, where we're going to be taking a look at Proverbs chapter 10. Proverbs chapter 10. I'm Pastor Tom Baker. And on Wednesdays, we occasionally like to speak about a Bible study from a Law & Gospel perspective. And the book of Proverbs is a very interesting book we're going to be taking a look at Proverbs of Solomon, King Solomon, of course. He had many more than are just found in this book, but these are just wonderful. But how you understand them is really important. Without further ado, we're going to start with chapter 10, verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon. A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is a sorrow to his mother. Now, how do we understand this? We can understand it in two ways, the wrong way and the right way. The wrong way is to take a look at it out of self-interest. The correct way is to take a look at it from God's point of view. Now, what do I mean by this specific verse? A wise man makes a glad father, a foolish son is a sorrow to his mother. The wrong way to look at that is to read these Proverbs and say, oh, out of my self-interest, I wanna have a glad father and a glad mother Therefore, I will be wise, and I will not be foolish. It has nothing to do with your relationship to God, with that interpretation. For example, not long ago, Wes Riemanns and I were talking about reconciliation. And we were taking a look at a group that practices getting reconciliation to take place and they had various steps to take. For example, one step is, be very nice to the other person, be cordial, be polite. Number two, repent of what you did. Number three, take all the blame for what has happened. Number four, ask for forgiveness. And and there were a number of steps that one could take. Now, in reading that, you don't need God in there at all. All you need to do is follow the steps. Whether or not you're a Christian, an unbeliever, an atheist, supposedly they would work because they've done scientific tests. When these steps are followed, reconciliation kinda takes place. But you see, You're doing it not because of your love for Jesus Christ. You're doing it out of self-interest. Yeah, I'll follow these steps, and then there will be reconciliation. And we discover that's not the way God desires reconciliation, where you follow steps out of self-interest. Well, it's the same with these Proverbs of Solomon. It is really a law and gospel distinction. When you hear the word wise, this Solomon is talking about those who are living under the gospel. They have a relationship, a proper relationship with God, in contrast to the foolish who really are unbelievers. They're not really wise in Christ at all or in the proper understanding of God, but they're just trying to manipulate the situation out of self interest. So, for the Proverbs of Solomon to be used as here's how you get ahead in life, you don't need God at all because as we showed in that reconciliation, if you go up to somebody and say, you know, it was all my fault, I'm gonna take the total blame, that just makes them feel good towards you. However, that always doesn't work. Jesus was the greatest reconciler in the world, and yet he did not follow these particular steps. He couldn't be reconciled with Judas, There were times he wasn't reconciled with a faithful disciple like Peter, get the behind me Satan. He couldn't get reconciled with unbelieving Pharisees because reconciliation is often a gift of the Holy Spirit and it is not done by your manipulating the situation. So when we took a look at these Proverbs of Solomon, and we hear the word wise or we hear the word foolish, let's understand that the wise person is the one with a proper relationship with God in contrast to the foolish who have a relationship with Satan because they're doing everything out of self-interest. So going back to that verse 1 of chapter 10, A wise son makes a glad father. A wise son makes a glad father. And the word for wise here is more than just wise in the mind. It's someone who also is learned and he understands the relationship with his father as a father is actually, has a hidden, it's called a hidden divinity because he is the representative of God to the son. And so a wise son recognizes that, wants to obey the father, and that's what makes him glad. In contrast to a foolish son who is a sorrow to his mother, and that word sorrowness, another translation is, it's a real heaviness to the mother. She's burdened with the son because he's always doing things out of his self-interest rather than the interest of the mother, doesn't recognize her as a kind of a divine authority from God, and that's why she is sorrowful, because it becomes obvious to parents when children are doing things out of self-interest. Verse two, treasures gained by wickedness do not profit, but righteousness delivers from death. Now, once more, this can be misunderstood As though treasures gained by wickedness means that you are breaking the commandments when you get treasure. Maybe you cheat against the IRS and get more money from them. Or when you sell your house, you sell it for an amount that would be injurious to the person buying it. You don't sell it at the proper price. Or in the Old Testament, when they were gaining money by selling uh, material, grain, etc., they would use false scales. Now a lot of people think that's what is meant by wickedness and that therefore righteousness delivers from death. If you use proper scales, if you sell things at their proper worth, then you're righteous. That's not what Solomon is talking about. The wickedness is really those who live under the law and are unbelievers. So even when an unbeliever becomes rich, even if he or she uses his money in a proper way and doesn't cheat anybody, guess what? It will not profit him. Now, when we hear the word profit, it will not be to his advantage, he will gain nothing. There's no benefit to an unbeliever becoming rich even if he does it in a way of integrity. So we're we're really talking about living under the law versus living under the gospel and the righteousness therefore isn't referring to the good works you do but the righteousness that you receive from Jesus Christ. Jesus is all the way through the Proverbs and Solomon understood that. For example, there's no righteousness that delivers from death in the sense of your good works. So there's two kinds of righteousness. There's the righteousness that you may do according to good works. You're righteous towards others. You're a person of integrity. But the righteousness that that is does not save you from eternal death because you can't pay for your sins by that righteousness. The righteousness is really that righteousness you receive from God where he declares you to be righteous. And we have that in the Old Testament. Abraham believed the promise of God that Sarah, way past childbearing age, would have a baby. God looks at him and says, I declare you righteous. And Abraham is delivered from eternal death. You see how we're looking at these verses? You can either look at them from a human point of view talking about your being either a good person or a bad person, or you can look at it from God's point of view where he's really referring to the difference of the unbeliever from the believer. Uh, Verse three, the Lord does not let the righteous go hungry, but he thwarts the craving of the wicked. Now, once more, There's no way that at times people who are very good people who seem to obey the law, but they're unbelievers, they still go hungry because what is the hunger being spoken about? The King James Version says, but the the Lord will not suffer or permit the soul of the righteous to famish now what did jesus say i am the bread of life so we're not talking just about food to be hungry means that you're poor in spirit you're not sure of your salvation you wish you could be saved but you're not sure in contrast to God thwarts the craving of the wicked. Now, another translation of that is he casts away the substance of the wicked. In, In other words, what we're talking about, it really doesn't matter how rich you become. The Lord will not have your so-called good works deliver you from death, and he will thwart the craving of the wicked. He will stand in the way of it as a way of salvation. We're, We're looking at these from a law gospel point of view. Now you'll say, well, don't believers sometimes go hungry? Well, they may go hungry when it comes to food but they will not go hungry when it comes to spiritual nourishment. And what do we mean by that? That means the promises of God comfort them in whatever they are enduring. Verse four, a slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Now, once more, you can fall into the problem of thinking that a a slack hand is one, maybe somebody who is negligent. You tell them to do some work, and they don't do it properly. They're slack in their work. They're lazy in their work. That's one way to understand this verse, but it's the wrong way, because what? God is talking about is a slack hand, is one that really is not at all a believer. He is deceitful. He is treacherous. In fact, that's another translation for that Hebrew word. God, therefore, works with a negligent hand those who are slack in faithfulness towards him. But the hand of the diligent makes rich. Now that word diligent, uh, another translation, is one who follows God's decisions one who trusts in God. Therefore, if you are diligent in the word of the Lord, you will become rich. It doesn't mean that that rich is referring to money or temporal goods, but you'll be rich in your relationship to Jesus Christ. Do you notice how we're looking at each verse from a human point of view, the way the old Adam would like to read them versus the new man and God's point of view. So these are really interesting to share with your children. Verse 5. He who gathers in summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who brings shame now once more you're going look at it from a temporal point of view. The son is working on the farm and he's doing the harvesting in summer when the crops are ready. That is a wise son, but the person who sleeps during the time of the harvest doesn't get up on time he causes. Shame. Shame to whom? Well, to the parents. They're disappointed. Well, why don't you get up and do your work? Now, that's one way to look at the Proverbs. Or you can look at it from God's point of view. He who gathers in summer. Remember, Jesus talks about witnessing and there's various kinds of crops or seeds you put down. but Some fall on tough ground, some fall on thorny ground, but there is that which falls on good grounds and plentiful is the harvest. This is really referring to whether or not when we have the opportunity as a believer, we gather in, those who need to hear the message of Jesus Christ. But when you're in a situation where you could do harvesting, but you keep silent, you're asleep, you bring shame to God. I mean, when I drive for Uber, I'm always confronted with that situation. I'll have someone in the uh, back seat of my taxi and we might get into religious talk. That happens about maybe three or four times out of 10 because they find out I'm a pastor. Well, I can be really quiet about teaching the law. So maybe I'll get a big tip because I know when I speak the law of God, people become angry because they set up their self-defense mechanisms. So here I'm got a summer situation with a harvest, and I could gather them in by speaking to them. In fact, one time I took two of the individuals, they asked me if they could talk with me in a bar, and I went in there with them for about a half hour, and we had a great conversation. Or I could have just fallen asleep at the wheel in not talking to them about what they needed to hear, even though that was God's will, and therefore I was ashamed by God. Verse 6, Blessings are on the head of the righteous, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. Now, what does that mean, violence? The uh, word for uh, violence in the original Hebrew is cruelty, injustice. So once more, we've got the blessings on the head of the righteous and the old man thinks, well that means if I'm a good person, I'll have blessings. I hear this all the time on evangelical radio where they're saying, you want more blessings? then obey God, and you'll receive more blessings. No. Blessings are on the head of the righteous, not the righteous who are really good people, but the righteous who have the righteousness of Christ, who have been declared righteous. Uh, Would you like to hear uh, some of the blessings that you receive? And this is a real problem for some people when they hear a list of blessings. And this list of blessings, Jesus is mentioning. And we call them the Beatitude. Blessed are the poor in spirit. That means those who have nothing to offer God, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when others revile and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you on my account because you are blessed. See, God has a totally different understanding of blessing. And in each of those blessings, we are receiving comfort and the benefits of the promises of God, regardless of our experience. So blessings are on the head of the righteous, as just indicated. But the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. Well, what does that mean? It means that violence overwhelms the mouth of the wicked. And the word violence here is really talking about cruelty and injustice. The wicked cannot be but cruel. Because number one, they're not telling their children about Jesus Christ. They're not bringing them to baptism. Uh, you, You can't be more cruel than that. is is not referring to wicked people in their works, but wicked people in their sins of omission in not bringing the good news to family and friends. So, verse 7, The memory of the righteous is a blessing, but the name of the wicked will rot. How many times at a funeral do you hear, unfortunately, people saying, well, we know the person is in heaven, because look at the many things they did. I attended a funeral at a Jehovah Witness for the sister of one of my members, and the so-called pastor was talking about, we know she's in heaven, because look at all the wonderful things she did. And afterwards, the sister said to me, I didn't recognize who he was talking about. My sister was a sinner, as I am. And there was no hope for those who recognized her true personality. So the memory of the righteous, though, is a blessing. How is that a blessing? Because we can remember the righteous who love Jesus, who proclaim the message of Christianity, who therefore, in our memory we remember as one who looked forward to heaven, even though he or she did not deserve it. That's a real memory that really helps us to be a blessing for us. So this is just one way of looking at the Proverbs of Solomon, but I believe it's the only way from a law and gospel perspective. On tomorrow's Law and Gospel with Wes Reimnitz, we'll be talking about another subject from a law and gospel perspective. Until then, God bless.